Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast, Season 4. With your host, Byron Rogers. This podcast is dedicated to the Executive Protection Practitioner, the private security professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being an efficient and effective executive protection agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect your children or a father that's focused on how to protect his family, I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle and those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time you already know what i'm saying is true so if that sounds interesting to you enjoy the show out boom what's up guys welcome back for another episode i've got an honored guest here today jeff takeda how you doing man good to see you I'm good. It's great to be here, man. It's a, a real honor to be on the podcast and to talk to you and be able to share this stuff with uh, with your audience. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I really personally have benefited from being very deliberate with strengthening my mind and my internal world. And I really believe it makes like a huge difference in warriors like it makes a gigantic total difference in our performance on off the job and all those different things and ladies and gentlemen this is exactly what jeff specializes in so um yeah those are some of the main reasons i wanted to invite you man it, it does make a difference yeah and i know and just listening to your previous podcast listening to the content you put out i said i've got to talk to byron because we're a hundred percent on the on the same page with yeah. this idea of training the mind that the the mind you know to quote pat mcnamara the the mind is the final weapon everything else is supplemental Um, and i i think really that there there's a gap in our training generally in military law enforcement uh executive protection just across the board i feel like that there's a little bit of a gap in the training in uh as far as training the, the the primary thing that processes everything that we do and that's the mind that's the brain and mm. oh, probably over the last <clears throat> i've been in a, been doing a pretty intense meditation practice over about the last seven years and over the last couple of years uh is when i i've i've started this this company in, in addition to my regular full-time law enforcement job um started this company to really try and and uh just get the word out that this meditation training, this meditation thing, I feel like for our community, our community of warriors, protectors, I feel like meditation has been, uh, hasn't really been properly presented to us or it's, it's not, it's not marketed really well towards, uh, people in our profession. And I feel like a lot of us are kind of being shortchanged in this really simple yet profound practice that can have all these, these real mental health and physical health benefits, as well as improving your cognitive performance, especially under stress. Hmm. Well, that's kind of important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I, and I, I couldn't agree more 100%. There've been too many times when I've needed more help than 
I was able to bring to bear or needed, you know, to clear my mind, or I, I just, I really agree with one of the things you said that we'll get into a little bit later, which is just talking about, um, you know, how the brain is a muscle and you got to work it out and decision-making and like, or even the thought of deliberately thinking, like I'm going to hold fast, take five minutes and think right now, right. you know, about how my day's going to go, about what I want to do next. These things, I don't know. They're, they're huge, man. So that's awesome. I'm excited, brother. Um, let's dive into it a little bit. Maybe we'll let's get into your background so people know that you're not just like, you know, pie in the sky, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the gentle guy. Yeah, no. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm i a, a veteran of the Marine Corps. I was a 311. I was a rifleman. Nice. A long time ago, man, 89 to 93. So I'm pretty, wow. pretty, uh, global war on terror, you know, first, first Gulf war era. You look so young, man. Yeah, I know, man. It's, it's like, Asian, Asian oh. don't raisin. I'm 50 years old. Yeah. What the hell? You're 50 years old, man. That's right. I'm like sitting and trying to do math in my head. You guys probably saw my eye movements. Yeah. I was like, that was when I was born, man. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. So I mean, there's something to be said about meditation, making you more, calm and relaxed and yeah and, and and helping out with the aging process now a lot of that's just genetics just again it's 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 an asian gene my dad's my, yeah my dad's 84 he looks like he's like 60 so wow yeah, yeah. Need some of your genes man that's awesome i mean yeah. i'm gonna be all right but some of y'all yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah byron's gonna be all right but, yeah. <laughs> right no that's good stuff man anyway yeah yeah so uh i was an 0311 in the marine corps i never did anything like super high speed in the Marine Corps, just a, yeah. you know, a basic rifleman. I did when I went in and, and I believe now that security forces is a primary MOS, but when I went in, it wasn't. Hmm. When I went to infantry school, they asked uh, for guys with, they'd had clean backgrounds, which I, which I did. I was, I was pretty sheltered growing up. So I, I never gotten in, into any trouble. So I had a super clean background, uh, went to, ended up going to they were looking for volunteers for security forces, guys that could get security clearances. So I did yeah. that for 18 months. So my first duty station out of, well, finishing infantry school, then went to security forces school. I went on the East coast in uh, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And uh, my first duty station actually was in, in London, England. Yeah. And eight, 18 months there uh, wasn't like embassy duty with security forces. So we were across the street from the embassy it was a secure communication site that's not in operation anymore on, on North Holly street. And that was being a young Marine stationed in London, England. Like it was, oh, was awesome. amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. I could do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. But uh, after 18 months, went to the real world, went to the fleet. I went over to three, two at Camp Lejeune. Really? You know, and I was, I was listening to one of your, uh, <laughs> one of your, what was that? Then it started to suck. <laughs> then it started to suck. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was listening to uh, one of your early podcasts where you're talking about your background. And I think you described the fleet as, what did you say? It's like a cross between juvenile hall and, uh, and something else. Lord of the Flies. Yes. Like, yeah. Uh, Uncle Sam's misguided children. Like, uh, yeah. Like, rap music on blast, country music on blast, rock music on blast, everything else in between. <laughs> yeah and a lot of yeah and it was like you know and I, and I worked for the uh, california department of corrections for a period of time yeah i mean the fleet it's it's like i mean it's a complete institution it's you're like institutionalized it's just oh, yeah. it's, it's in a different venue yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh yeah i really love the the 
hearing about your experiences in the fleet, because I mean, it really, for, for me growing up kind of sheltered, it was a huge education for me. And it was a real, um, even just going through boot camp, it's that, uh, that I think all young men really need to have that rite of passage to have direction in their life. And definitely boot camp was that. And then the, the fleet was, was another, was another level. And then I got out of the, uh, I got out of the Marine Corps and I went to work in, uh, went, you know, was doing the community college thing, went to work for, uh, for Northrop Grumman corporation out in, uh, out in the Antelope Valley in back then, uh, the B2 bomber program was still, it was still a black program. So hmm. I was fortunate to get a security job working directly for Northrop Grumman, okay. uh, right out of the Marine Corps. It was a good job. And then, uh, went to, at, at some point they contracted out, uh, when the program wasn't, uh, wasn't super classified anymore. And then we went to, uh, they contracted, contracted out to uh, Pinkerton security, which I think is now Securitas, but it was, it was still that good aerospace contract. And then I got the opportunity there to do some overseas uh, contracts. Actually um, they were contracted with Motorola and Hughes space and communication to do uh, satellite launches over in China and in uh, former Soviet Republic of Kazakhstan. So I got wow. to spend uh, probably like 10 weeks over in Kazakhstan on that, um, on that detail which was, which, which was really cool. It, it wasn't, it wasn't high speed at all. It was basically, um, you know, standing guard on stuff, but it, at the time it paid really well. And it was just a, a great experience. I did, uh, in that time also, I ended up going in the, uh, I finished up my inactive reserve time in the, uh, uh army national guard. So I, I went to the 40th military police company out of Los Alamitos Okay. Did that, went to work for Department of Corrections. And then I ended up, uh, my first local law enforcement job was with a, a, a small city in Southeast Kern County, California City Police Department. Worked there uh, for 11 years, S small agency. So we got, you got to do everything. Yeah. From, from patrol to, I, so we had, we had a, a our investigations unit was like two guys uh -huh. and, uh, I rotated into that investigations unit within a couple of years, just, just kind of out of necessity. They were just rotating people in and out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's where I really kind of found my niche as in uh, investigatory work, detective work. I ended up working uh, child abuse cases, um, uh, crimes against, you know, like crimes against children. We worked homicide cases out there as well. I, I ended up becoming, I was a Sergeant out there and then back in, 2012, uh, one of my buddies lateraled over to, uh, Simi Valley PD out here in SoCal and, uh, kind of followed him over there, went in and checked out that agency. And I, and I, and I've been there ever since, since uh, 2012 and I've worked, you know, patrol, been a SWAT team member, uh, again, major crimes detective. Most of my major crimes detective work has been again in, uh, child abuse, crimes against children, um, child sexual exploitation material, you know, ICAC, NECMEC cases. Stuff, yeah, crazy stuff. And uh, I also got a chance to work in a federal task force, a federal uh, counterterrorism task force for, <laughs> for a little stint. And then currently I'm working in our new, uh, it's been around for about a year, our new mental health community policing bureau. So they wanted a detective in there. So right now, it's, uh, I work as, uh, 
like a liaison between county mental health, the hospitals, all the different county and local agencies, social agencies in working with clients that come into the, uh, where the police department comes across people with mental health issues, whether we take them on a psychiatric hold or not. I work with behavioral health, making sure that they're plugged into services. And uh, the big, big thing I do is oftentimes, I found this at the task force too, oftentimes people that are making these serious threats against either the, the government or against individuals, including threats of doing uh, mass shooting events, there are always some type of mental illness. There's usually some type of mental illness component there. So in my job now, I'm also doing uh, threat assessments. And I have a, I have a joke in our, uh, in our new unit that they should rename our unit the homicide prevention unit because we've, we've got a couple, <laughs> we've got a couple of, of clients that uh, I believe we prevented, we prevented them from moving on to like more serious crimes, like actually preventing a couple of homicides in a, in a couple of these cases. So it's been uh, really rewarding work. I joke around, I, I joke with my partners, especially my old partners that I'm kind of like a social worker now, but, but, I, but I mean that in a good way. And the other component of that is I've gotten the opportunity just running across um, people that call the police for help in the mental health capacity, uh, running across veterans and um, working with a couple of veteran nonprofits and really seeing where the VA has kind of failed these guys and then being able to work with them and connect them with the nonprofits or other options available to them coming to them as another veteran. That's probably been the most rewarding part of this, this new, um, this new unit I'm working in. And then I started the, the meditation training company to cater training concepts uh, about a year and a half, two years ago. Um, and have been teaching this meditation training for first responders and veterans often off and on over the last couple of years in a couple of different uh, venues. So that's my, that's my background in a nutshell. Yeah, that's a lot, boy. You've been, you've been around the block, man, since the beginning, you know, from, for, for a while, you've been putting, putting, um, you know, just gathering experience and all that stuff. Was there an event? What brought you into really valuing the inner psychic stuff, like the internal space, like what brought you into really, you know, going that direction? Cause it's not generally an organic direction that most warriors go in. No, you're hundred, hundred percent correct. And mo- I think most people come to contemplative practice or meditation practice because they've had some event or something and, and they're looking yeah. for some kind of relief. And that definitely was for me. I was fortunate in that when I was in that task force, uh, it was pretty high, high pressure job, a lot, a lot of stress. Um, one of those things where the job was like, when you would hear about in the, in the news about some active shooter event or some other, you know, mass killing event, and you would, you would kind of hold your breath for a second, hoping like, hopefully this isn't someone that I was assigned at some point and missed something. So when you would get assigned cases on individuals or whatever it was, there was so much, uh, it, it was a, a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility that um, on your shoulders to, to make sure that you were doing everything you could to investigate this case and um, 
prevent some some horrific oh. thing from happening. And while I was there, I saw, unfortunately, it was knock on wood, it was never me, one of my cases. But there were a couple events where these guys had, you know, there's a couple events where these shooters had been investigated by the task force, by the federal agency I was working with. And it got missed or, you know, there's, there's been some catastrophic failures there. So a yeah. lot, a lot of pressure there and just learning that whole new, uh, new <laughs> learning the, the, the federal side of things and having all those, um, all those new dynamics to work with was, uh, was, was, was pretty stressful. So my, um, my boss at the time on the PD side, my, uh, commander, he noticed that my uh, that I was pretty stressed out, and he said, "Hey, man, you're. Uh, I can tell your mind's kind of all over the place, and this is stressing you out. Um, you need to you need to kind of get your mind right." And uh, he gave me this book, and he said, "Hey, do this practice." And come to find out, this commander's had like a, almost like a lifelong, at least thirty year plus. Zen meditation practice that you just really didn't ever tell anybody about. And this guy's like super accomplished, uh, super calm. He was a SWAT team, uh, team leader, commander. And he said, Hey, I I've always done this. I think this will help you. And so I started doing this practice and I felt, I, I saw like right away that it was really helping with the stress relief part. And, uh, and, you know, I had, some other things going on in my personal life where I was under some kind of acute stress. And I found that this practice really kind of helped alleviate that. And when that acute stress passed and I kept doing this practice, mm -hmm. I realized that I was actually getting more focused, uh, more aware, really that my performance at work was improving. Yeah. And that I was also just like generally getting better at life in general people around me were noticing that I was easier to be around, less angry. Um, and I, I'm not, uh, I'm not typically people that know me wouldn't describe me as an, as an angry person, so to speak. But, um, I did realize by, by turning my attention inward that I was holding on to a lot of anger over different things, but I'm the kind of guy who just kind of keeps it bottled up. Yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of how I was. And this practice helped me realize that, and then the more I, I did it and I started going to, I, I was real fortunate in, in the beginning of my practice, I was able to go to a 10 day long silent meditation retreat with uh, kind of what I guess you describe as like one of the premier teachers that's brought uh, uh, and, and the, the retreat was a Buddhist retreat, although it's, it's still um, there's people from all faiths. They, they go to they go to this retreat people that are also uh, agnostic or atheist because it's really about about training the mind and I when I when I went to this I certainly wasn't Buddhist and, and when I when I went there the the, the teacher there uh, a gentleman named Joseph Goldstein he's written a, written a ton of books uh, he's one of the like a, an original guys back in the 70s that brought this insight meditation practice to the West. Well, hold up, hold up, my man. Ten days, you guys aren't talking for ten days. Yes. That's what, I'm That's what I said. <laughs> Can you text? Can you just type? No. <laughs> oh, no. So, okay. yeah, so ten-day-long silent retreat, no talking. Yeah. You do talk. There's points where you talk to teachers. There's You have, like, 15, 
minute, like every couple of days, 15 minute interviews with the teachers where you're allowed to ask questions about the practice and about, um, you know, specific issues you're having with the practices that they're teaching you. Other than that, you're, you're not talking to other retreatants. You're not, um, you're not even, you're even avoiding eye contact with them. You can't even uh, communicate. Like you can't like hand them the the thing, and like you can't. Is you're literally not communicating with anyone, right? I mean, so so there's you are you are to some extent because you actually part of the practice is you have a a, a work period every day. Okay. Right. And so I, I was in the the dishwashing group, right? And so we had to communicate there when we're when we're doing stuff in the kitchen, but it's min it's minimal. It's it's really right. minimal. Yeah. So and and. It's no joke. It's a uh, formal meditation practice, a sitting meditation, 45 minutes at a time and probably, you know, maybe 10 sessions like that a day, walking meditation practice. You're doing everything with uh, you're doing everything mindfully there. So you're really paying attention to what you're doing. And every morning the teachers give you instruction. Like this is what you're working on today. And that's it. There's not, there's not a lot of guided meditation practice. You're um, there's guidance in the beginning of the day. Like I said, you're working on that throughout the day. And then at night, there's a, there's a, there's about an hour and a half, two hour long uh, lecture. It's and so then. That's for and, the big boys. Like this isn't a beginner meditation kind of party. Um, there, there are beginners there, um, but it's, it, but it's, there's a little bit of a screening process that you go through uh, before you go. So the the one I went to, it's it's also for beginners. I had I've been meditating, I'd been meditating for about six months and maybe 20 minutes at a time. And uh when I got into the retreat, and the retreat is is hard to get into, it's a lottery system. And uh my uh again, my commander said, Hey, this is like this is like is close as you can get to the source of the practices in the West, yeah. you know, put in for this retreat, you won't get it, but you can get your name in the system. And someone dropped out at the last minute. And I, in like two weeks before I, I got in. And so that I was fortunate there because that intensive practice really propelled my, um, my training forward. Yeah. And it was during that retreat when I was sitting there, and really, and, and realizing, hey, this is about this is this is all about the attention and where you, what you pay attention to, and uh, developing your focus and concentration, and using that ability and pointing it at your own mind and your own thoughts and your own conditioning in a very, a very like almost scientific way, mm. and uh, realizing, hey, this is something. It, one of one of the big things that this practice helps you with is improving your, your ability to pay attention to things on purpose, especially when there's conflicting uh, things drawing your attention. So redirecting it, the attention to something you want to pay attention to on purpose. That's the basic drill and practice. And right away. I, I thought this is something so practical and so important that law enforcement people should be training in and, and should be they, this, this is helpful for what we do in our job. Yeah. 
You know, in, in, in relating to EP work, you know, I haven't done a ton of EP work. I've done, when I was at the task force, I did, I did a little bit. Um, but I, I know just, especially having worked with secret service guys that spend a lot of time. And I thought, uh, same thing, like in, I, I'm sure you can yeah, for find sure. in your, in your own EP experience, just being able to keep your attention focused on, especially when you're like looking at the same area or the same crowd for a long period of time. You have to make it entertaining some kind of way, man. You know, you have to, it's that kind of trained observer thing, but then I always, I make it entertaining and I, and I actually do that by being really present with what I'm doing. Like I really will analyze people and like try to figure out what they had for breakfast and like, you know, and then zoom back out and then zoom in on something else or someone else. Um, you know, but I mean, this is really fascinating to me. And you're saying like, it makes you kind of better at life. Um, what would you say? Is there like a, I mean, I guess that's, I'm going to get to that question, but like, how would you say most warriors should look at implementing a discipline like this into their lives? I, I think they should look at it just like uh, PT, just like physical training. So mm-hmm. you do, you engage in whatever type of uh, physical fitness regimen, CrossFit, you know, running, a weightlifting. You engage in those uh, practices to prepare the body to perform in any number of tasks that you might be confronted with in in daily life or in EP work or military law enforcement work, whether you got to get a foot pursuit or restrain somebody or fight somebody. You have to have you have to have some level of physicality to do that. And you do this general, right. This kind of general physical fitness training to prepare the body for any of those things. Right. Mental training is, is, is the same way. This practice is generally working on improving your infrastructure of the mind, the infrastructure of the brain, so to speak, to have that capacity for sustained attention, awareness. And it's also uh, training the ability it, it's improved. I should say it's it with this prolonged practice, it's uh, in, improving the capacity to stay calm under stressful conditions as well. Hmm. So I, I think you should look at it like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to work out an hour a day or two hours. I'm sure you work out like three hours a day. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> however long, you should look at it like every day I'm going to take some time to train the body. I should set some, some time aside to train the infrastructure of the mind and brain. And you can do that with this practice. And the new science is saying as little as 12 minutes consistently every day, and you'll reap, reap benefits. And the, the longer you do it, if you can get up to 20 minutes or 30 minutes, uh, the better, but minimally uh, 12 minutes, 12 minutes a day. We are doing this practice and there is science behind it actually doing some pretty good things for your, for your biology and your neural pathways and all that stuff. Exactly. Really? Exactly. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a, there's a really good book that just came, that just came out. Actually, I have it right here and I, uh, it's called peak mind. Okay. Uh, uh, Dr. Amishi Jha and uh, she's a neuroscientist. She's done the most work with uh, veterans, uh, military and first responders in really testing out how these practices um, can be implemented. Same kind of, we're all teaching the same stuff, but what's been really great about her research is she's done uh, stuff with the Marines, 
uh, fire departments, um, special army, special forces. And uh, so in their lab, they were able to on audible. They got it on audible. Y'all they got it on audible. <laughs> that, uh, th- that book, it's a wealth of information. It's explained very well about how this practice is, is training the attention. Wow. And what, what's great about the research she's done is that when, especially when they're coming up a, with a program for deploying troops, they were trying to get it in the shortest uh, compact uh, package as possible. So they, they came up with, they, they found that 12 minutes was kind of the, the minimum, the minimum dose, so to speak, every, every day. Okay. 12 minutes per day. And wh- how would you describe mindfulness? Cause I hear the term thrown around all the time, you know? Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely, <clears throat> it's definitely kind of a buzzword. And I, I think yeah. it's, 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 it's misunderstood. And I, in, in a lot of ways, but it can be it's it's hard it's a can be a difficult term to define. It's kind of like trying to to define art. It's kind of like trying to clutch water in the hand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, the, the the way I would explain it is it's it's a it's a couple of different things. Mindfulness or like mindful awareness. It's a state of awareness, basically. So if we look at mindfulness as a state of awareness, it's pointing your attention at something mindfully means looking at something as objectively as possible, looking at that experience with um, non-judgment, openness, and curiosity, looking at something, again, objectively as possible, and for that moment, disregarding your own biases and filters uh, or your, uh, rather I should say your preferences. So you might be aware some experience you're, you're looking at mindfully, mindfully, you are, um, an example would be, um, if you have, uh, and this happens quite a bit in prolonged sitting, you're sitting and then you have a pain in your back, a pain pain comes up in the back. Looking at that pain mindfully would be focusing in on just the physical sensation of the pain and being aware of the difference between the physical sensation of the pain and all the thoughts that you're generating around it, which include like, I don't, I don't like this or negative thoughts. Like, I don't like this, or this is, you know, this is never going to end. This is, you know, creating like this negative state of mind around it. Looking at it mindfully is not getting caught up in the thoughts around an experience and just experiencing it uh, for what it, for what it is. It sounds a lot of very stoic, man. A lot of stoicism-ish kind of vibe. Is there major differentiators there? No, in in fact, a lot of, uh, I found that a lot of the uh, mindfulness practices or rather the the mindfulness concepts are right in line with stoicism, with Mm. stoicism for sure. You know, so especially, you know, big, part of stoicism is focusing on what you can control versus what you can't control mindfulness and meditation fits in there because you're developing the awareness to real, to realize the difference between those things, because sometimes it's not that clear, especially in the moment Mm -hmm. you realize that you're, you're focusing on something you have no control over that's spinning your mind up to be agitated and angry. Right. If you can kind of back off and, and look at it, more objectively and seeing the situation more clearly, you can respond to it better than, than reacting to it. Right. So 
the other, you know, the, the, the kind of textbook definition of mindfulness and oh, something I didn't mention is in 2019, I went to a year long uh, mindfulness facilitators course at, at UCLA. And as far as I know, I think I'm the only third, only the third cop that's been through the program. Okay. And in that, in that program, uh, UCLA had, well, UCLA has a mindful awareness research center. It's been around, I think last 20 years or so they've done uh, uh, a lot of research around evidence-based secular mindfulness. Um, And I, I, I think that they have the best, they have the best program for a, a consistent standard on what a, a meditation mindfulness teacher, uh, what type of skills they should have and what the best practices for teaching meditation and mindfulness are. But wow. their, their definition of mindfulness is mindfulness is uh, paying attention to a present moment experience with openness, curiosity, and non-judgment. And that's the awareness part of it, pointing that attention at something again with non-judgment without getting entangled in it, conceptualizing it, just experiencing it for what it is and not trying to do anything with it. Just whatever mm-hmm. the experience is, just observing it for what it is, seeing is it, 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 it as clearly as possible. Right. And then when you get in, people talk about, well, what, then what's mindfulness meditation? Well, mindfulness, well, meditation is simply the practice or the training to develop that awareness. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's clear as mud. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I dig it, man. What is like um so then mindfulness meditation, what does like a session of that sound like? Uh where I mean or or look like like in your mind, like do you sit down? Do you have to sit down? Can you do it anywhere? Do you have to have a, a quiet room or what is what would no it's like? you can um you can literally do it anywhere you can do it standing up or sitting down, you know, sitting in a chair, you don't have to sit cross-legged on the cushion with incense and barefoot or Birkenstocks or anything like that. It's, it's, it's a really simple practice that all that you're doing is you are getting in a comfortable position, what we say a relaxed, but alert posture, Mm -hmm. sitting, standing, I don't suggest laying down because laying down, you have a tendency to fall asleep. I usually fall asleep if I lay down, <laughs> yeah. but in the, if you're trying to fall asleep, this can be beneficial for that as well. But the, what the basic practice looks like, you are going to uh, get in that relaxed, but alert posture, focus your attention on the felt sensation of the breath, like feeling the sensation of the breathing in the rise and fall of the chest and the abdomen around the nose, just really paying attention to the felt sensation of breathing. And when the mind wanders away from the, from the breath, which it will a lot, whether it's a, a, a sound in the room, a thought, a feeling, the moment that you notice that the attention's wandered from the breath, you bring the, you gently let go of the distraction and bring the attention back to the felt sensation of breathing. Mind will wander again, not a problem, let go of the distraction and bring it back over and over again. And that that's the practice. That's, that's how simple the practice is, but it's not, I think you'd find it's not, it's not as easy as it sounds. Yeah. And you do this for a prolonged period of time. Yeah. So the, 
<laughs> what like, a city. Brain, you understand what goes on in my brain? I know you do, but like exactly the stuff that goes on. <laughs> so you do this for a long, and I would just sit there and pay attention to my breath. Right. And that's, that's for 12 whole entire minutes. That's like dog years in my brain. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Go so ahead. you're, you're seeing how it's a simple practice, but it's not easy. And I, sure. and I think what people don't realize it's like this, this requires work. Yeah. You know, this is, this can be challenging and, in this practice, it's called an, an anchor based practice where you're using a present moment experience to anchor in on. We normally use the breath. You can use sound. You can use something visual. You can use a physical sensation in the body. We usually use the breath. Mm-hmm. And what happens is here's the other thing too, is and uh, uh, and Dr. Jaw in peak mind is what I, what I really love about what she says you know, you can, we can talk about meditation. You can read about meditation. Um, it's like bike riding. You can read about riding a bike. You yeah. can talk about riding a bike, but unless you actually ride a bike, you're not going to learn how to ride a bike. You're not going to get the physical benefits of bike riding. This is, a, this is the same thing. It's doing this simple practice um, over and over again and putting in the meditation time, that's when you'll start to see the benefits, but everyone's experience is their own. Of course it's, but you know, our brains are all essentially the same, right. From, from just being a human being, what I think that you find, what I certainly found is when you have this anchor that you keep coming back to Mm -hmm. one, it is, improving your ability to focus and concentrate on something on purpose, right? So you can, to me, that's worth the benefit. That's worth the price of admission right there is that this is a little drill that I'm doing to help improve my ability to concentrate on something and to redirect the attention when it gets, goes off on, and, and I mean, it happens all the time. I start meditating and for 15 minutes, I've been just thinking about one thing after another and realize, Oh, I'm supposed to be meditating. Oh crap. 15 minutes has gone by. Right. Not a problem. I'm bringing it back and, and starting over. And that is every time that the mind wanders away and you bring it back. That's the, that's the work being done. That's like the, that's the rep. If you, if you want to use a, a workout okay. analogy every time. So when you're feeling like, man, I can't, I can't, that's a lot of people say, I can't, I can't keep my mind on my breath for two seconds. That's okay. Because you've noticed the mind's wandered and you're bringing it back over and over again. And the other th- misconception there is about meditation is that you're trying to stop yourself from thinking. You can't stop yourself from thinking the mind is, is going going to think the brain generates thoughts. That's what it does. But what, what you'll find is in this practice, one of the things is the mind can, can quiet down a little bit and you get, I think one of the nice side benefits of meditation is I think the stress relief and the calm feeling is almost kind of a nice side effect that happens um, when you're working on redirecting the attention over and over again, the mind, when the mind becomes kind of, when the mind becomes focused on something, you generally start to feel more calm. That's what I found. It's like it, 
I, you know, going back to, uh, you know, law enforcement work, yeah. um, having some, I can remember going to, uh, responding to any number of in progress calls, man, with a gun call or, or some, some shooting or something like that. And your, your mind starts spinning up. But once I go oh, focus, redirect, okay, let me just focus on, uh, driving from where I am now to where the, to where the, the thing thing is where the incident is and focus just focusing on that is has kind of a calming effect okay and then taking it one step at a taking one step at a time and i think that that kind of natural function of the mind becoming more calm when it's focused yeah um, you'll you develop that that's something else you develop uh with this practice because you're doing it you're doing it consistently interesting okay okay is there like a uh like a state you get to where it just becomes like easy and you're not even like, you're just kind of in a flow or is it always kind of like work? You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know when I'm like, like when you're on a run, for example, like the first like mile is like, kind of like you're getting your body warmed up. Then all of a sudden you're like, just kind of running and you're like, all right, cool. You know, and you break through this like threshold. Is there anything like that that happens? Yes, for sure. So and it's, it, 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 it's, it can be fleeting, but it's, it's the same. It's like, uh, it t- you talk about getting into flow state, yeah, right. When you're just, everything else kind of drops away and you're just in, in the moment, whether it's, uh, you know, you're something work related or you're, you're, you know, playing basketball or something, you're just in the, in the moment, right. Getting that flow state. So mindfulness isn't flow state. Right. We're not meditation isn't getting into flow state, but it creates the conditions for getting into flow. And so once the mind becomes kind of settles down and becomes concentrated, you do it's hard, it's, it's hard to explain because it's it's different for everybody else. But in a meditative practice, there are times when you do get the mind becomes concentrated, it's focused, and the awareness kind of, kind of opens up. And I, I can just describe my own my own experience. Now, it usually takes me about 10 minutes for, see, I usually meditate 30 to 45 minutes a day. It wow. Usually, <laughs> wow. I, That's impressive, man. I, it, thanks. Uh, there's, there's guys that are like an hour a day, two hours a day and regular guys, not like hippies that have a lot of time to meditate. But um, <laughs> what I, what I found is usually around the 10 minute mark is when my mind kind of settles and I become, uh, relaxed and open and can kind of just sit back and be like a, an observer of all the experience that's going on externally, whatever's in the environment. I usually have my eyes closed, which so is kind of hearing sounds or whatever. And then also what's going on in the internal environment, the thoughts are kind of coming up and I, or different sensations are coming up and, I can point my, my attention at them without getting entangled in them and just kind of let those go. And it's having this kind of overall awareness of everything that's going on in my own mind. And what that really does for you is, you know, in that, in the, um, you begin to understand your own mental conditioning, your own thought processes, right? You're pointing your attention at your own mind to understand how your own mind works, your conditioning, your thought processes, your biases, your preferences for things. And, you know, there's that, 
you know, the first principle of Marine Corps leadership is know yourself and seek self-improvement. Right. And I always say, well, know yourself. I, I know myself. Well, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not. Yeah. And with this practice, this is really getting to know your own, your own mind and where you might have, uh, you might have filters or mental models or biases or preferences that you overlay on experience. You can see those more clearly and realize uh, that's not so helpful anymore, or that's outdated. Like I need to get rid of that. And what I found in, in, in daily life, and even in, in a, in a, in a, in a tactical scenario, realizing, Hey, this tactic or technique or the strategy that we've been using, I'm really attached to this because for reasons that aren't practical anymore, uh, that's the way we've always done it. That's what I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm only comfortable clearing the rooms this way instead of like, I'm, I'm, let me set that aside to learn, learn something new. And I, I think a lot of times we don't realize how kind of attached we are to those things and those things, those things get in the way. So that's kind of a, a long way to answer your question. You can get into this um, kind of open aware state, kind of flow state in your own mind. Heck yeah. That's what's up. I mean, I look forward to it. I'm definitely going to start trying it out, man. Um, and I can really see how this could help with, you know, PTSD or just dealing with things that are, traumatic in your life because the reality becomes like in that present moment how are you really doing not where all my brain what's my brain really telling me about the past or what could be or you know i think as we that's where a lot of suffering comes from you know yeah but really being here in this present moment i could see doing that um daily can be really helpful for guys that are just struggling you know um that's huge yeah, I think it's, you brought up a great point is that when you're paying attention, you're really paying attention to what's going on in your mind. You realize when you are, especially for guys that are struggling with post-traumatic stress, or even if they've been diagnosed with PTSD, is that you can notice those negative thought patterns and those loops that you're, you're getting in and, and you're, you are one of the things, and, you know, it, it's important to, to point out that sometimes, uh, guys that are, are really struggling with PTSD, um, this practice, uh, this practice is used in, in treatment of PTSD and managing PTSD, but you really need to, um, and I'm not a clinician or a psych uh, or a, a mental health professional by any stretch. So you need to do this with a little bit of, uh, with, with some guidance from a mental health professional, if, if you're, you're struggling with that, but um, you can also do it without it and just realize if at any time experiences are coming up and you're pointing this awareness at those experiences and it's causing you more, more angst or issues, then you need to uh, need to back off and then, you know, probably talk to somebody, just, just be aware of that. But Mm. on, on a, on a more general level, you're just, I think I know my, in my own experience, I'm able to see and become more aware of when I'm stuck in kind of those negative, negative thought patterns. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's causing me my, uh, I'm causing my own stress in, in my, in my mind. And I can kind of step back and create some space around that, uh, those negative thoughts and not re-engage with them. 
Okay. And then they just kind of, just kind of, it's almost like the less attention you give them, the less significant they become. And then they just kind of float away. Yeah, exactly. They'll, 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 they can float away and then you just, but you know, they're going to come back. They could come back, but the, the ability, you know, you're cultivating an ability to, to let those things go. Um, but, and it's, and it's different from, from suppressing them or um, trying to bury them, you know, and, and I know in, in our, in, in, in our line of work, especially in the law enforcement profession, a lot of times we deal with those things with some maladaptive behaviors like yeah. alcohol and other stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So um, this, this practice, it's, uh, I think it's, it's both over, way overhyped, but it's also misunderstood. And I think it's been, I think it's kind of gotten a bad rap, especially for like I said, people in our community, it's not, it, it's, it's simply training your brain's attentional system and making the attentional system more efficient. And this happens to be, there's some nice side effects of being calm, feeling less stressed. Wow. I love the way you put that training your brain's attentional system. That's good stuff, man. What would you say is your proudest moment in the field doing this type of work? Oh man. So I would say that's a, a couple, a couple things yeah. um, is, so, oh, so, and, and just to plug something uh, that goes along with this. So we, we run a, uh, a free uh, meditation drop-in session at covered six in Moore park Great. every Thursday. And uh, through doing stuff with them and, and, and different veterans, probably the, the, the proudest moments and most rewarding moments is after giving a meditation class with a bunch of vets in there and then having a, a, a vet come up to me, a brother Marine coming up to me and saying, Hey, thanks for, thanks for showing me this. This is, um, this is really, this is really going to help me. This is going to really help me, um, in, engage and manage my own stress and suffering. And uh, recently I had an opportunity uh, in my, in my current, in my current job to uh, went to, to uh, a call with a, with a vet, a Marine vet that was, was suicidal and got to talk with him vet to vet and connect him with services and just talk to him person to person, man to man not as a, not as a police officer, but as Marine to Marine and connect with that person and get them plugged in with or connected with, with services that would really help them. And I think my, a lot, a lot of proud moments in in that way, in, in the work that I'm I'm currently doing at the, at the police department and the Mm -hmm. meditation thing, just, it just, it just fits right in there. And uh, I can offer the ability to be able, you know, there's, there's so many times where you see somebody suffering with this kind of stuff and you're like, Oh man, I'm here for you. Or, you know, what can I do for you Yeah, to be able to offer them like, Hey, this might be something that could help you with your, with your stress and with your suffering. And I think that's the ability to, to be able to do that uh, regularly. That's just, that's been such a, it's been such a blessing and a godsend. Yeah. And uh, yeah. 
I don't know if I got the, a specific proud moment, but I, just generally that kind of stuff over the last last few months that I've been in this job. Yeah, that's cool, man. To know to have like an actual fix. It's like when people ask me like, hey, you know, I really want to get into executive protection. And I'm like, good. You know, like I got that question for so long that I developed something to just fit that need perfectly, yeah. you know. Um, it's not like a quality problem, like inner psychic pain, but um, it just feels good when you're like, I know exactly what you should do. Boom, do this. And I and you can have faith that it'll really help them. That's huge. So that's awesome, man. Um, I'm really excited that, and, and I really hope people listening, you know, take this to heart and really like try it out. I'm going to try it out. Are you doing any, let's see here. What's up next for you, man? Are you doing offering online services for people to kind of get in and ingest this and understand this stuff? Yeah. So we're doing, um, I'm doing a couple of things mostly because I'm still, still active in law enforcement. It's my primary job, but I, I just started working with a couple different, um, training companies to offer this. Uh, so coming soon, uh, embassy consulting out here in SoCal, which, uh, it's owned by a, a 30 year retired Long Beach cop, uh, Joseph Levy. We're going to be offering, uh, hour long, uh, two hour long classes, uh, meditation, uh, mindfulness meditation for cops. And then a, a general one for, uh, the more generally like regular civilians, but for cops, first responders, uh, armed professionals, we're going to have an, an hour long one there. And then, um, I, I mentioned covered six, we're doing that regular, uh, drop-in. So if you're, uh, you can follow, if you check out our Instagram page, I'm also working with a, a veteran nonprofit called the veteran mentor project. And we're, we're hosting the, the drop-in together. Um, we're, we usually go live on Instagram with it, but if you're local to SoCal Ventura County area, um, you know, send us a DM and, um, we'll get you the location to come in and you can come in and sit, sit with us and experience it firsthand, uh, online works as well. And, uh, so also at covered six, uh, covered six, their online Academy, we did about an hour and a half long, um, introduction to mental conditioning. So mental conditioning or MentCon is, uh, the law enforcement military EP specific meditation program. So you can get that, uh, online program at covered six, um, nice. from them directly. And in the future, I, uh, I'll be hosting a 90 minute and then eventually, uh, uh, like half day long intensive training over, over at covered six. Also that's coming up hopefully, hopefully in the next year. So. Okay. Awesome, man. Well, we'll put all those links Send those links to me after this, we'll put them in the description so people can go and follow you and all that fun stuff, man. This is exciting. I think it's ultra important, man. I think it's something that goes just unnoticed and like unvalued, you know, as, as everyone's like focused on, the idea, you know, favorite quote, favorite mantra saying. I think my, my favorite quote is, uh, is from the Buddha. Yeah. Is that the mind precedes everything. Mm, I love it. Yeah. That's a good one. I think I'm going to put that in the tag. 
All right, sweet. Awesome. Uh, what else? There's one or two more down here. Obviously, a habit that you think would make people better protector or uh, a habit that will make people better humans or better protectors. Mindfulness meditation. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think just, um, yeah, this regular practice of yeah. working on doing some contemplative uh, work on, on training your mind, training your attention. Like that's, uh, you may, you make this a habit, a regular habit, at least 12 minutes a day. One quick thing on this, and many of the classes people ask about like, Hey, give me something I can, what's something I can use in the moment. Like, right. You know, when, uh, when the, uh, when, you know, I'm in the middle of the, whatever the problem is frame when the, yeah, the pressure's on. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's things that people already know, like the diaphragmatic breathing, you know, tactical breathing, combat breathing, all that stuff's good, which, which I do. Yeah. The box breathing, but actually like, I always go back to, you know, the example we used before with your fitness, like in having your fitness on demand, um, that requires a regular fitness training program. Same, same thing with this, like you've got to do the work beforehand and then you'll really reap the benefits, benefits in the moment. And the, the practices like tactical breathing or box breathing are, are great. And they are really an enhancement or another tool that is much more effective when you have this regular mental training practice going on all the time in your life, just like your, just like your fitness, physical fitness. Basically what you're saying is it's more than just a job. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> it's a life, exactly. It it's a, it's right. a lifestyle. It's a, it's a mindset, right? Yeah. yeah, man. Yep. yeah. yeah. No, I dig it. That's the truth, man. This has been good. One last question. How would you like to be remembered, Jeff? Who's the man? What's it all for? The man behind the work. <laughs> That's a great question. I'd like to be remembered as, as uh in my law enforcement career in in my military career in life in general, I guess I'd like to be remembered as the, the guy that you could count on that was consistent. That's that was always there and remembered as uh, somebody that lived, lived a good life or did their best to live a good life. And, um, made uh, contributed contributed to society and, and contributed to contributed to, alleviating some of the suffering in the world. Yeah. That's how I'd like to be remembered. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did, alleviated some of the suffering in the world. I think you're totally doing that, man, with getting this work out here and especially getting it out in that digital format, man. I just, I just think it's so powerful. Like people can be getting trained by you around the clock, everywhere in the world where there's the internet, you know, and just getting introduced to this and like your journey, you know, like, going through and being law enforcement and military and having that tactical edge <clears throat> makes you kind of the perfect type of person to be able to deliver the softer side of Sears, you know, these soft skills to people. Um, I think it's really powerful, man. So it's an honor uh, to be connected with you and, and help bring this work to, to the tactical community, man, for sure. No, thank you so much for, mm-hmm. for this opportunity. It's definitely an honor to be, uh, talking to you and, and on, on the podcast. And, and I just, um, I'm just so thankful and uh, grateful that you, you gave me an opportunity to come on here and, and, and talk to your, to your audience. And just one last thing, especially for vets, you know, for vets that you, you, you know, what's the saying we use, you, you wrote a, you wrote a blank check, you know, 
uh, uh, mm-hmm. up into including giving your own life to, to serve your country. Yeah. We as veterans, especially like we deserve to have a calm, clear mind and a peaceful existence. And I think that you might find this practice as something that will point you that way and will help, help you get there. You, you deserve it. This practice is, this practice is for everybody, for every human being, but especially for, for our fellow veterans that, uh, that, uh, put their lives on the line to serve our country and to help other people. Like this is, this is for you. Awesome. That's what's up, Jeff. Thank you. That's what's up. Thank you. I really appreciate it. All right, y'all. We will see y'all on the next, next episode. Thanks again, brother. Boom. Thank you. This is my MCK. There are many like it, but this one is mine. If you've got a firearm sitting around a pistol that you are not doing anything with, get an MCK. They make them for every single model. If you want a micro conversion kit that will turn your handgun into a force multiplier, get one, man. They are ultra affordable. CAA MCK micro conversion kits are the changing the game, y'all. So if you don't have one, you need to get one. Get one. Your women, children, people that are less physically potent will be able to fire your firearm to farther distances with more accuracy. You will be able to fire your firearm to farther distances with more accuracy. I want to get one of these into the hands of a 100,000 more protectors this year because ultimately we are only as good as the things, the nation is only as good as its protection. Your home is only as safe and as good as your ability to protect it. MCK, go get one, drop your handgun in, take it to the next level, out, boom. Yo, if you're a private security professional wanting to take your game to the next level, go to executiveprotectiontrainingday.com to check out my personal success package for private security professionals. Check it out executiveprotectiontrainingday.com. And remember, y'all, hard skills do save lives, but soft skills get you paid. Boom. Boom. And to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible contributing to this brand what we're doing here making it so that i can bring better guests on making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an america a safer place do whatever you can contribute whatever you can because it makes all of these things possible thanks for those contributions Yo, and before we go, you know I got a shout out to the sponsors, starting out with Primary Weapon Systems, PWS. They truly are the evolution of the rifle. Use Byron for 10% off. Gray Man and Company, the most comfortable tactical suits in the game. Use Byron for 10% off with them. Until the next podcast, this is Byron Rogers, protected by nature and by trade. Out. Boom.